0: The Church Sound Podcast is brought to you by Invisible Media Training. If you want to empower your tech staff, we have courses that teach churches the technical tools for ministry. Hit them at InvisibleMediaTraining.com. It's time to empower and grow. Welcome to the Church Sound Podcast, part of the Repurpose Network, where kingdom culture, real life, and technology intersect. I'm your host, Prentice Thompson, and what we do... We talk to real people, pastors, leaders, engineers, tech people, manufacturers, worship leaders, all about church, technology, and provide solutions for a successful Sunday morning service. You ready? It's time to take a ride. Let's go. Yes. Yes. Welcome to another edition of the Church Sound Podcast. I'm your humble host, Mr. Prentice Thompson. Welcome to episode number 13. I said it, 113, nice round number, nice round number, that means you are going down the Kingdom Highway and we're getting to Algola, (laughs) never ending, so let's keep it there, but we have a great show in store for you today, today we're going to talk guitars, I mean guitars, like Ling-ling-ling-ling-ling, ling are ling, 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 ling. going to talk guitars, six-string guitars, all types of guitars. And I got a great, great, great guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs of all ages, let's welcome my friend Preston Russ, director of design at WAVE. What's going on, everybody? Ernest, thank you for having me. Hey, listen... So we've talked on several several occasions, and we've always had pleasant and interesting conversations. That's right. About tech, and we can share stories all day long about tech at church.
1: They don't have that kind of time, though. <laughs> <laughs> we can be here all night.
0: <laughs> Thank you for joining us, man. You know, it, it took a while for me to get you here, but um, pleasure to be here, man. Man, I'm glad I'm glad you're here. And so we're going to talk guitars, right? Because you're an engineer, I'm an engineer, and we end up having these conversations about being engineers in church. Right. And the stories that we have with each other. And so I said, you know what? The the perfect guy I know that can tell me about guitars, as from an (laughs) engineer's perspective, would be Preston Russ. Mm. So I don't want to get too deep because we can go deep real early absolutely so we're going to do something that we always do all my new listeners and aware that we do this thing called Sunday school now Sunday school the funny stories that we tell in church amongst each other and whether whether what ministry you're in if you're on the show if you're in church there's a story that goes along with church somewhere so ladies and gentlemen let's get ready for okay class is time Sunday, Sunday school, Sunday school. Oh, now the man on the get mic right. the man with the gavel The man with the robe, the man with the mic in his hand is my good friend, Preston Russ. So I need your three topics. All right. I'll select. Come on
1: now. So we've got three. The first one is going to be, where's the guitar? Okay. Second one's going to be, the day the music died. Oh, interesting. And our third
0: and final one is lights off. You said lights off? Lights off. Lights off. Hmm. Lights off. You know, (laughs) it's for music to die. Yeah. <laughs> we figured it out. <laughs> and um, so I'm going to go with the day the music died for $49.99.
1: Done. Sold. Man. So uh, this, oh, I guess this was, I want to say this is still 2020. So this was still mid-pandemic. Okay. Uh, maybe around August, September, honestly, around probably two years ago, around this time. And uh, I mean, obviously we all know that the live events world is shut down March yeah. 2020 right you know we, uh, we all all put on those pajamas and kept them on for about six months <laughs> and, yes uh, so this was kind of that return to normalcy you know we, we saw a lot of uh, kind of different like live stream shows and things like that and you know then people started to approach like H- let's get some people back out here you know and, and we went through that kind of drive-in show right, right you know Did, yeah the, dri- the drive-in
0: show right the, the, with the, the, F- t- with the S- fm transmitter that the <laughs> fm transmitter but you know
1: this uh <laughs> so for this one man we uh we were like you know what like let's go do a little bit more tailgate and uh Let's, let's fly some PA, you know, and we're going okay. to you know, have some delays. And uh, it was a SL250 gig for all those event guys who are in there at every stages. And um, it was a, a Christian music festival. And so we had uh, probably three three or four headliners that day, and then just kind of a, a series of other opening acts and, and things of that nature. Um, and, man, I'll be honest with you. It was one of those things that we were all kind of laughing at it throughout the day. And then after the fact of, like, we had not done anything for six months. You know, so going out there and flying PA, <laughs> pulling feeder, dragging snakes and cable ramps and all that kind of stuff, we were like, we've got to develop this muscle memory back. Right. Just, we haven't been doing anything like that. You know, we did the, like, virtual events and stuff like that that's, like... Different animal. You know, yeah, exactly. Opened up a laptop, but... Um, you know, so we were out there and we got the PA up, we obviously got, you know, bands on stage, made it through all the sound checks and, uh, had all the openers passing through and, and I got the opportunity to mix one of the headliners, um, and, uh, relatively well-known Christian artist. And, uh, we get into the set, um, and I was, I was actually happy with my mix, you know? I mean, it was one of those things. I'm a, I'm very, uh, very glass half empty guy. Um, but I was, I was sitting there with my mix. I was happy with it. Uh, and then all of a sudden I noticed the PA just go a little like, flip, you know, cut out for a second. And I was like, that's, that's weird. And I, I turned to the systems engineer and I was like, Hey, did you hear that? And he was like, yeah, I'm on it. Started clicking through all the kind of diagnostic stuff and in, in the DSP software. Um, and, uh, then the PA just cut and wow. uh, cut for probably, a, it felt like a minute, but I mean, it probably cut for a solid. You mean like that? Yeah. Nothing? Yeah. 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 Actually, uh, and I don't know if we can share it or something, but I've actually, funny enough, I was recording on my phone, oh a video gosh, and uh, and then it cut, and so and then you just hear me in the in the phone video go like, oh, we get the PA, <laughs> um, and so you know we're obviously on radios trying to figure out what the heck's going on and going back and forth, and wow, and the PA cuts out again. Um, And I just hear the event manager on the radio like, bring me ice. And we were like, What? (laughs) (laughs) He was like, Bring me ice. And so uh the uh basically what had happened was it was a it was a JBL VTX series um PA, A series PA. Right. Uh honestly a stunning stunning PA. I I was thoroughly happy with it. I've always been very happy with it. And uh But it was just one of those things that when we threw the amps under the deck, they were right up against the nylon stage skirt on that side. they were losing wind. Yeah, yeah. They had no way. I mean, there was no ventilation for the amps. And so the amps just started overheating so next thing I knew, we had a, a bigger artist up next, and I look and I see them just bringing back, like twenty five pound bags of ice in and bunch of fans, and they were just trying to blow as much coal air on those oh as gosh. possible. Oh my gosh! And you know, and I'm up front mixing, and it's one of those things of like you know it's probably going to cut out again. We're going to see what happens, but um, you know, I mean, it was one of those things. Everybody was so happy just to be back in front of a PA and wow. you know, a of events. There was a lot of grace, and it was something we were able to laugh at. After, but in the moment, you know, it, no, it's, it's, it's horrifying. Oh yeah, it's
0: absolutely yes. horrifying. Silence is 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 a sin.
1: Silence is absolutely a sin. <laughs> That's where you know you're like, man, those FM transmitter shows are kind of
0: easy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to worry about that. Amazing. Amazing, sir. Thank you for sharing. So here you go. Sunday school. In the day the music died. But we're not going to die right now. So, I asked this of all my guests how did you get in this crazy business of live sound?
1: Man, it, uh, funny enough, I don't know if I got into it necessarily by accident, uh, if you want to call it that, but uh, indirectly, I've actually been kind of behind the audio console since about eight or nine years old. Oh, wow. And uh, and what I mean by that is, so I grew up uh, up in church. Uh, My mom's actually been on staff at the church, as long as I can remember. And, uh, you know, grew up going to kids ministry. And obviously, you know, when your mom's on staff and you go like roam the hallways during the summer, you kind of think you own the place, you know? (laughs) And and you're like, okay, this is my territory. This is my domain. And, uh, you know, so I was the typical, like, Pastor's kid in church. Wow. uh, That said. You know, as a, as a way to get me to essentially be quiet, you know, and shut up and stop talking to the other kids. They had to separate me from the other kids, you know. And so I mean, at that <laughs> point, the solution was just throw back in the tech booth, you know, with some middle schooler oh, who's gosh. like clicking through, you know, Pro Presenter or some, you know, PowerPoint at the time. Um, you know, just to separate them, you know. And then obviously after being back there and getting in trouble weekly and, you know, getting thrown in the tech booth. Uh eventually it kind of got to the point of like, you know, that middle school kid or whoever it was that was running was like, you know, push this fader up here, you know you know, or, or press, you know, press play on the CD player at this time. And, you know, obviously as a eight, nine, 10 year old, you're not really thinking anything of it, but then, you know, when middle school hit, you go over, like we went to obviously the youth building and that's where we kind of got into some band stuff and things like that. And again, you know, I I wasn't in the tech booth at the time, but it kind of spurred that interest of like, you know, kind of like you're like, okay, well this is what they have over in, in the kids building. Here's what they have over here. What are the differences? And, uh, um, you know, again, kind of growing up, going to church with my mom. Um, you know, as she was working there, it was it was going and hanging out with the church staff, you know, and hanging out with the the youth worship pastor and the the production director of the church and um you know, just kind of over the course of the years developing that love, you know, long before I officially mixed a band or touched an audio console. It was, it was, here's how you over under a cable, you know, here's how you patch a stage. Here's what W1s are, you know, for your stage drops. Here's, you know, so on and so forth. How to mic a drum set, how to position mics, you know, different ways like we're going to talk about today, different ways to mic a guitar. Mm -hmm. Why mono versus stereo counts, so on and so forth. And kind of learning those like casual fundamentals, almost well backwards before I even touched touched a mixing console.
0: Wow. So by the time you touched the mixing console, you already had a, a plethora of knowledge that you'd even know you had that you that was building up just from your life experience.
1: Absolutely. You know, and, and that's something I'm I'm so grateful for because you know a lot of people get into it the other way. They get into it and um, you know, they're comfortable with pushing faders on a Sunday, but then all of a sudden if they lose an input, it's like, uh oh. <laughs> Where <laughs> right. do we start? You right. know? And, and so right. um, you know, through that kind of trial and error and, and figuring things out in my life, like That's honestly kind of the precedence I've set for, you know, as I I develop volunteers in the church world and and things like that, um, is know your stage. You know, know how to work your patch, know how to know where your points of failure are, you know, and how your system, you know, is connected. Right, right.
0: So let's get into guitars. And what I found interesting is that we're both engineers. Neither one of us are are guitarists.
1: Right. So,
0: (laughs) however, we're 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 challenged with presenting them in the best light possible. Absolutely. So this way it comes with a certain amount of understanding. So, no,
1: I, I laughed when you first texted me and you're like, "We're going to talk about guitars." I was like, "Here we go," because yeah, I, <laughs> uh, I can play smoke on water. <laughs> That's all you're getting out of me.
0: So the so when we get into guitars, you know we have acoustic, yeah. we have electric acoustic, and we have electric, mm-hmm. right? with each of those factors present different challenges, right? What are your, so let's go through acoustic first. Okay. Let's just, let's just straight acoustic. What is your approach? Absolutely. With acoustic,
1: you know, I, I, I think so much of it kind of circulates to all instrumentation and it's so contingent upon the dr- or upon the genre, you know, and, and contingent upon what we're mixing. Right. I, I grew up, grew up in North Carolina and, uh, I've gotten to be a part uh, in a front house capacity with a, a bluegrass festival up in the, in the hills of North Carolina every year. And, uh, you know, acoustics and banjos and mandolins. And I mean, that's, that's driving the set, you know, so that's not only your, your lead instrumentation, but that's your foundation for the mix. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's navigating that approach just like any other instrument to say, you know, where do I want this to sit in the sonic spectrum? before i push it up in the house right so um you know and, and then honestly a lot of it is contingent upon the player you know and, and having that conversation with you know him or her either prior or just kind of getting a feel for him you know in sound check um right. of saying you know is this guy gonna play it or a girl gonna play it like a rhythm guitar are they gonna be playing it you know doing a lot more finger picking kind of that full body stuff mm-hmm. or are they just gonna be treating it like you know a hammer and beating the snot out of it right um you know and so i i think evaluating you know all those aspects of it before like i said before you push it up into a mix right is huge you know i mean you know what we hear a lot in modern ccm and, and that kind of stuff i i you know i, I always like a, a a little bit more presence You know, in my acoustic guitar, like if it's playing, you know, by itself, it might have a little bit. It might feel like it has a little bit too much top end. But once you layer it into that mix with everything else, you know, I almost kind of group an acoustic guitar similar to like I group a tambourine or something like that, where it's almost kind of that percussive drive, right? Um, just to kind of add that, you know, sizzle on top of the mix, right. um, you know, obviously coming from, coming from the bluegrass world, coming from, you know, some of the, a lot of the country music world, it's also like, this is your full body sound, right. you know, and, and there's a lot of times where the band might drop out and it's just, you know, whoever's leading finger picking, right. um, you know, and you want that low mid warmth, you know? right. Um, and you know, the big thing for me is like my, my personal goal up front of house is I I hate the feedback suppressors. You know, I hate the sound hole (laughs) dampeners and things like that. And so, you know, before we even cross that bridge saying like, what can we do before we have to put that in, you know, and honestly, ultimately having that relationship and having that conversation with the artist performing is, is key, you know, because there, I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, somebody will play an acoustic for me and I'm like, man, this is going to be fun. But then you kind of get on the talk back and you're like, Hey, you know, is your guitar flat? And, you know, nine out of 10 times, they're like, no, you know, I've got the bass boosted or I've got, you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, the mids boosted or the highs boosted. Right. Or, you know, whatever that little pickup they have in the acoustic or, you know, their their pickup in the DI or, or something like that, there's some processing happening. Right. You know? And so, um it's just that two-way communication. Like, I would say any, any musician, you know, or any instrument on stage.
0: So let's talk about culture, because culture is is a huge factor, especially when it comes the genre. Absolutely. Me as an engineer, I grew up in black church. Absolutely. So the guitar was usually rhythm. Absolutely. It's definitely pocket, it's some strumming, it's some picking, it's some muting. You might get a solo every now and then, but when music started to expand more, you started getting more CCM in the church, I noticed that even in the black church, it was more it was still more keyboard-based, keyboard, based, keyboard mm-hmm. based. Sure. But the sounds were wider, warmer, padded, absolutely. Um roads, more piano than than anything. And the guitar would be on the top, but not not on the top, beneath it. Yeah. So when I started mixing at churches where it was all guitar, sure. And the Keyboard became the support. I had to change my way of thinking. Absolutely, which means I had to really learn the instrument because the only sound I was used to was a, was a strat.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And and a strat is different from an electric acoustic. It's different from an acoustic. It's different from a Les Paul. It's different from an Ibanez. Right. They all have different characters. Absolutely. So I had to I had to learn how to how to how to make the acoustic and the electric work together. Because sometimes you're mixing and it's all guitars, right? And I didn't come from that. That wasn't my world. Absolutely. So talking to a guy like you is important for me as an engineer to kind of have a better understanding from a cultural perspective of the use of the guitar. Sure.
1: Well, and that's you know, I mean, I I would even say, kind of growing up on on a similar front, you know. I grew up in Church of God, you know, and so we were full gospel every week still. Um, you know, 100, hundred and fifty person choir. We had a full, you know, brass section orchestra with with strings, with you know, percussion, drums. Um, you know, we had a, a full Allen organ, but we also had a B three on stage, you know, there's a full Yamaha. Man, that's a lot of sound. Like, yeah, man, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot, lot yeah. of sound. Absolutely. We, you know, with on you know, vocalists and ensembles like layered on top of that. And so, um, you know, but then also continuing to cover that kind of diverse range of, you know, we might be pulling out an old hymn or we might be pulling not an old gospel song, or we might try to be incorporating a new CCM song into it. Wow. Um, you know, and so that was what was always kind of that fun, unique challenges of, you know, working with a musical director at the church, you know, and working with the musical directors on stage, or, sorry, musicians on stage to say, you know, find your piece of that pie, you know, and, and so I almost look at that sonic spectrum like a pie, you know, and say, what, what is, what are the layers I want to, I want to base that off of, you know, I would say in modern CCM and, and kind of. Some of the pop sounds and stuff we hear, you know, the big sounds, in my opinion, are kick drum, snare drum, bass guitar. And then honestly, the thing I would put after that is vocals, you know? And so if you've got that kick and bass relationship right, and then you let that, you know, the rest of that room be filled with massive vocals. Then that leaves, you know, whatever's remaining on the sonic spectrum to be filled with, you know, your, your electrics, your synths, your keys, your things of that nature. But obviously that's so contingent upon genre, you know, and the style of music you're mixing. And like you said, the culture, like it, it it varies and it varies dramatically. Right. And, And there's even situations I know, like even in the church of God, you know, of... We've got some churches that want to sound like this. We've got other churches that want to sound like this, you know, and again, it circles back to working with the folks on stage, right? you know, and, and building that relationship and having that relational equity to say, Hey, this really might feel good in your ears, but this doesn't translate out front. Right. Um, right. And so, you know, I mean, I, I would say there's, there's a bunch of different approaches because to your point, you know, we, we, we see now guitars are such a driving factor of a lot of CCM sounds and a lot of those mixed sounds. And so, um, you know, we'll evaluate everything from having, you know, if we have three guitars on stage, that could be two electrics. That could be, I'm sorry. That could be you know two electrics and acoustic. That could be three electrics. That could be two acoustics and one electric. You the know, obviously we, we we haven't we haven't even touched on a bass guitar yet. Right. You know, I mean there's there's a lot of that you know string sound coming off the stage even if we don't have you know a true strings or orchestra section. And right. So, right. Um, you know, just evaluating that. But then also I would say, like I said, it's it's contingent upon the song. You know, right. just like a musician might be swapping between you know a strat and a hollow body or. You know the the you know whoever's leading might go from an acoustic guitar to a rhythm like it's it's all that kind of conversational pre planning stuff in advance that that really sets you up for success in your front of house mix.
0: You know what I never understood. Well, I understand it now, but coming up as a musician, and I would go to you know musicians or go to different studios, and they would have all these guitars, yeah. right? And then you go, I toured, so you go out on tour, and you go, well, why is these on guitars? Right, right. You know. It, you see the guitar just fly out, another one brings one in, Cartek brings one in, plugs it yep. in down like his pairboard started. Okay, cool. And you're like, so they have a they have a guitar yeah. for these specific sounds. Yep. And I found that so interesting that it all it all lends to the the texture Absolutely. that the player is trying to get without having to fiddle through it. Yeah. On every song, it's it's kind of like a patch in a sense.
1: It's hundred percent like a patch, you know. I mean, and, and to that point, like that was something that you know. There, there's obviously the the simple wins of you know being able to obviously mitigate time for tuning and things like that, and so have you know one guitar tuned to whatever this key is, or you know. From that side of it, I mean, that, that's how much, honestly, in full transparency, I'm not a guitarist, you know, Right. But talking through the the differences in tuning there, Um, but, you know, circling back to, like, I'm a drummer, you know, and so kind of having that same approach to snare drums for me, you know, and so, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I, there's times where I really love that kind of deep-tuned, loose-wire, wood-hoop snare, mm-hmm. but then, you know, there's also times where it's hard to beat that, like, natural crack for Black Beauty, you know. Right, and, and or, so, that, or that tight piccolo. Exactly, you know. exactly, and so... Um, you know, I mean, I I would say having, having a few guitars in a guitar boat side stage is no different than having a secondary snare or having a drum tech, you know, swapping out your primary or secondary snare mid set. Um, you know, it's, it's all tools of the trade, you know, and for us, it's like. You know, there's there's multiple types of multi-band compressors. You know, and and uh, heck, there's multiple types of compressors. That's another yeah. example. You know, of yeah. What kind of you know do we want to use a VCA or an optical compressor or FET? You know, and evaluating all the different colorations and, and sounds right. of, of compressors. It's it's just like a guitar. You know, and then that that honestly continues through the signal chain of a pedal
0: board. You know. So let me ask you this: When it comes to your approach. Mm-hmm. When you're when, like, like you're starting like you're starting from scratch, Sure, like it's not a church that you mix at all the time. You're starting from scratch, the band's on stage, and you get to the guitar channel. What's your approach?
1: I think a lot of it depends on, you know, again, evaluating what they're playing first. You know, do they have an amp? Do they have an amp simulator? Do they have you know just as, as simple as a pedal? Uh, are they going mono? Are they going stereo? Things of that nature? you know, and ultimately what's their role in the mix, you know, is what's the genre that I'm mixing, what's a musical style that they're playing. And, um, you know, are there two guitar players that hand off lead? Is there, you know, is there a dedicated lead, a dedicated rhythm? All those questions kind of have to be answered in advance, but you know, I mean, a a big thing for me is I, I I'm a sucker for stereo, you know, and even if I don't have a true like stereo, you know, send coming from the stage, I, I still, I find validity in mimicking that with either taking, you know, that mono send and patching it twice to have a guitar left guitar, right. And then adding delay. And by that, I don't mean like the effects delay. I mean, you know, obviously like can in- sample delay. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so adding really between arguably what I find myself doing is between 15 and 30 milliseconds, just depending on the width of my PA and what feels right. You know, I, there's not a science to it, but it's just throwing delay on one side. Um, you know, and one thing I've honestly been doing recently is if I've got two guitars you know uh and even if they're sending me a stereo signal, say I've got one guitar player you know i'm not I'm not gonna do stage left stage right, I'll do house left and house right you know, just for an easier example, but um you know if, if for my house left guitarist, um I don't have any delay on his left channel, I've got the delay on the right channel for my house right guitarist, I don't have any delay on his right channel, I've got the you delay on the left, 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 channel. left channel, yeah, right. exactly, just to kind of pull that image. Uh, You know, and again, it it helps create that sonic space, Um, you know, and so obviously if you can get a stereo sound off them with some of that ping pong delay and that kind of wider reverbs and things like that, that's great. Um,
0: But getting the sound is you got to handle, you got to handle the floor first.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, and creating, adding that delay helps create that width that just helps it sit in the mix, Um, you know, and Uh, A lot of it also depends on the console, you know, and to your point, if I'm just walking up to it, how much time do I have with it? And how familiar am I with it? You know, obviously on a lot of the freelance shows that, you know, I get to be a part of and uh, even, you know, most of the churches, I get to mix that like we've got kind of a a higher input and higher output count console to where I've got those buses available to where I can go and I can throw, um, you know, I can have a drum group, I can have a bass group, I can have guitar group, keys group. You know, step that up into parallel groups if I have time or if I've got the resources for that, uh, you know, and continue on, um, you know, and, and I love mixing through groups for the reason of the space that I can create, um, you know. So circling back to the conversation we had earlier um, of, you know, I might have three guitars on stage at any given time. That could be three electrics. that could be two electrics, one acoustic. That could be two acoustics, one electric. You know, the, the list goes on. Uh, having them go through that guitar group allows me to kind of create that that sonic mapping so like if it's uh sorry if it's uh like say there say everybody jumps into kind of a rhythm section or something like that uh or a rhythm guitar part you know and that's where we're going to find that kind of low wonky 200 250 build up right in the mix that we don't necessarily want to leave in there but obviously from an input side of it, I don't want to take that out because yeah, you still need it for the sound. Yeah, exactly. I need right. it for the sound. Right. Or, you know, if we go back to that being the only electric and there's two acoustics, or if we go back to that being the only rhythm and there's a lead and an electric, you know, I still want that sound. Um, but that's where I have that ability in the vocal or I mean in the guitar group to throw a multiband compressor, throw a dynamic EQ on there and just do that kind of one to two or two to three DB of, you know, gain reduction, on that band. So if, you know, if I've got three,
0: so guitars, you're going to sidechain it pretty much to the vocal.
1: So that's a good point. Uh, so for, for this aspect of it, I'm just, I, I have the key listening internally. So gotcha. if I've got, you know, basically that threshold, I set my threshold. If I've got three guitars playing rhythm, you know, just to kind of create that, that, ducking but that way if i step back to to two guitars you know we're not hitting we're not hitting that threshold we're not hitting that gain right. reduction but you know that you bring up a great point of side chaining you know when we step into vocals and obviously wanting like we said you know in the ccm approach keeping that kind of kick snare bass vocal in the mix i, I don't ever want to have any competition you know with that vocal um because especially you know in the in the worship community, like that's what's leading the congregation, you know? Right. Uh, and so there's anything
0: else to support. Exactly.
1: And so, um, you know, I'll take a sidechain or take a filter and kind of put it around that two, two and a half, three K kind of vocal intelligibility range. And then sidechain chain it off my vocal group or my lead vocal mic, depending on, you know, what I have available. Uh, and then also account for that kind of two, one and a half, two, two yeah, and a half way to bite is, yeah. Gain reduction just so that way, you know, no matter how loud guitars get, there's always that space and separation for vocals.
0: Yeah. So, so in your approach, like say, um, I know when I, when I start soundcheck, um, I normally start with, I normally start, I don't want to get into the details of soundcheck check are sure. staying on guitars, but, sure. but in your, in your approach, when you mentioned kick, snare, bass, um, vocal and vocal, Right. So I had an engineer on, he's like out in California. He says, yeah, I start my sound check with the vocal. Yeah. How do you start your sound? check?
1: So I would, I would actually agree. Um, So this is a tip I got from uh, Jeff Sandstrom uh, over, over at MXU. And he's been, you know, was out with Tomlin for years and uh, just an incredibly, incredibly great engineer in this industry. And uh, I've got a lot of respect for him. And uh, you know, he, I don't even know what this was before MXU and I don't know if this is a conversation I was having with him or, or when I heard him say this, but this changed my approach to sound checks so that even, you know, even when I, I'm in the touring side of things and I might not always have my front, you know, front person sound check, uh, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to always put that mic out there, you know, and I'm always going to try to ring out that mic, you know, get that mic typically where I had it either sitting the night before or where I think it's going to sit that evening and then do sound check with that mic live. You know, because the last thing you want to do is obviously create, you know, a bunch of tight, um, you know, tight mixes. Then then you add vocals in there and that just loosens everything up, you know. Right. And so, um, even if I don't necessarily have the vocal talent on stage to start soundcheck with, I want to have their mic out there. And I want to have that lead vocal mic, you know, or the the, the mic that's going to, you know, stay hot 80% of the set.
0: Because it, it is, even when it's, even when... If you don't have a gate on it. But even yeah. when how <laughs> soft you gate, it's a whole other thing. Right. But even when it's out there, um, it's still part of the sound of the stage. Exactly. Exactly. So what you don't want you 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 don't want to lose that, but when you're doing sound check, you want to make sure it's there. So this way your ears know what's present.
1: Right. Yeah. And you know, and to your point on gating, that's where if I have the opportunity to get into waves, you know, I love PSE or primary source expander. You know, and the biggest thing for me regarding that is, I love to I, like. It's a big deal for me to, to be able to set that threshold as low as possible because I feel like the lower the threshold, obviously, on the gate, the less obtrusive it is, the less right. noticeable it is, the, the more y- natural y- it feels. Y- exactly. You don't get that. <laughs> exactly. You know, and so uh, PSE does a, a great job with you know their attack and release times and, and making it feel natural already. But um, you know, if if I have a larger room and I can drop that threshold, you know, three, four, five dB. I might be a little bit aggressive, but, you know, three to four DB, then I'm going to do it, you know, and, and I don't have those gates, you know, or don't have that expander opening and closing and things like that. And so, um, you know, just kind of keeping that out there as one of those resources in the back of your mind, even though, you know, the, the, whoever's sound checking or coming out that they might come out, you know, and, and I would say even that doesn't only apply in the touring world that also applies in the church world because, you know, I know several churches I mix at where they're, you know, the band will come out first um, you know, the band's the first person on stage because they're doing a vocal rehearsal backstage. You know, and they're working through parts right, and stuff
0: like right. that. I've done. Um, I've, I've.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and so like if you have an hour for check run through, you know, you might only get vocals and run through. Um, you know, so. even
0: then, it's better than nothing because we've all day gone, long we've gone through that. So oh, let's yeah. do this. Let's take a break for a second. And we'll be right back with Preston Ross. Did you know? That 177 million Americans listen to podcasts? You know, you can listen to podcasts anywhere. Most people listen to at least eight shows a week. So what does that mean for your church? Isn't the goal to reach more people with your message? You know, Tascam has been the choice of musicians, engineers, and broadcast professionals worldwide. And now they enter the new age of the podcaster, where they once again combine affordability, portability, and sound quality in one elegant package. With the Tascam Mixcast 4. Isn't it great to hear the roar of the crowd behind your voice at the tips of your fingers? The ease of use and the portability of this hardware unit where you can have four microphone inputs, Bluetooth, telephone, and computer input all at the reach of your fingers. So do yourself a favor and go to your local retailer or retailer online. And get yourself a Tascam Mixcast Four, because the goal is to reach more people with your message. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back. We're talking guitars. The Preston Ross. This guy is this guy, this guy knows his stuff. I say this guy knows his stuff. This guy is amazing. This guy, here, I tell you. Fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> Fake it till you make it. <laughs> so let's do this. Um, let's jump to. Your your micing techniques for cabinets mm-hmm. and and because it always it always different types of cabinets, but there's well, I normally I can say my weapon of choice is just use the good old SM57. Absolutely. And you just can't go, you can push that thing to death or like the, the or the the six oh nine is a good is a good choice. <sighs> sure. Um I've even used RE twenties. Absolutely. You know, because they can take a, whole, a high SPL because it's a broadcast mic because it's a dynamic microphone it allows you to really push it without without it breaking up because it's sure. nowhere near as sensitive as a condenser microphone. Those of you who listen to the past podcast or now have, have evidence. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that I that that I know what I'm talking about here. So, what's your how, how do you mic, mic your cabinets like? What's your, how do you start? Are you starting the center cone. Are you in cloud? Do you go axis off axis? Like what's your process?
1: Yeah. So I mean again, that so kind of for me it, it varies based on are they running mono or stereo, you know, and what mics and resources do I have available. Um, you know, I am I'm, I'm with you 110%. If you uh you Can't get a good guitar sound with a 57, you're not going to get a good, good guitar sound out of any other mic. I, I i love the tried and true sound of 57, I love the consistency of a 57. Um, you know, outside of that, other mics that I've really enjoyed recently are the SE Electronics V7X, um, never used that one, so it's uh, man, it's uh, it kind of v7s kind of took wind, I would say probably three or four years ago now, maybe a little longer than that. Um, but with their vocal capsule. So the SCV seven vocal capsule, it's like a 89 or $99 vocal capsule, you know, and mm. it's kind of one of those things that, um, it doesn't have the bite necessarily of a beta 58, but it, it also has, you know, the control of a standard 58. And gotcha. so it's, it's, to my opinion, it feels like a nice clean hybrid, a cleaner hybrid between so it's like a,
0: it's a brighter 58. That's probably a good description.
1: I, I would say that, you know, I would say that, um, but also you kind of get that like low mid warp that you get out of like a KSM nine okay. without the
0: noise of a KSM nine. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, Close and, proximity type.
1: Yeah. Right. And gotcha. So um, you know, that's kind of what the V seven wireless capsule was really what made me start turning my head on S E electronics. I mean, they're they're it's pretty impressive. They're incredibly fair priced. Um, you know. I
0: u- I used um the the forty four hundreds. Okay. The 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 multi pattern kinda kinda like the the four fourteen knockoff. Yeah. I've used them at, at, um, Riveland Hills on Tempanies. Okay. Yeah. And I put them in figure eight
1: and yeah, they're out there. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. That, you know, the, uh, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I like the V seven X. I, I feel like, uh, sonically it's very similar to a 57, but you know, it, it you get a grill on it, you know? And I, and I, mm-hmm. hate, I hate saying, you know, I hate bagging on a 57. Obviously that's, that's it's tried and true. There's no need in changing it, but you know, I'm always worried that I'm going to break the element, you know, or, or tamper the element or things like that. And so 57. Yeah, absolutely. Just the, like the, that black past, Some
0: things last forever.
1: They do. I, I've snapped one a couple times.
0: You're probably uh, the only person I know <laughs> that's even come close to damaging a 57.
1: I can't tell you how many times I say how many times, like it happens like every festival, but like in a festival changeover, you know, you get, Three or four stage hands wiping up. Oh, okay. Okay. That, makes, that and,
0: makes perfect sense. Yeah. And
1: then it just gets dropped, and you're like, well, there goes that. And so, if I can get a grill on a mic, you know, or just if I have conversations with whoever's in monitors or on stage prior to saying, like, hey, just leave the mic on the stand. You know, don't take the mic out of the clip. Right. Leave it on the stand. Then, you know, nine out of 10 times, no worries. And, and like I said, the, the 57 still is my preferred, uh, miking approach, but, you know, outside of that, obviously, you know, we, I I love a KSM 32, a large diaphragm condenser on there. If I can get the guitars in an ISO cab, you know, (laughs) like I said, so (laughs) exactly. So much of that is just contingent upon the environment we're in. Um, you know, in, in my home church, uh, we standardize ISO cabs for, you know, for those on stage. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so just cause it's one of those things, you know, from, from a guitar player's perspective, Like a lot of them, I get it, you know, when they're rehearsing at home, they want to rehearse with the sound of their amp because obviously that's, you know, that still is a whole lot better than like, you know, they can, they can put a nice pair of headphones on, but that's still not going to replicate exactly an amplifier. And so, um, you know, given them the, the ability to play through an amp, but also to turn it up, you know, and, and there's nothing, there's no weirder or more awkward conversation of saying like, Hey, yeah, you can have your amp on stage, but like, don't turn it past three, (laughs) you know?
0: (laughs) So, actually, um, so you, do you do this? Do you go, because I do this a lot, I go direct out and mic out?
1: So, it depends. I mean, obviously, we, we've seen a lot of the amp sims and the amp modelers and things like that, obviously, where you're just going balanced out. Um, But I, I never, I, I typically don't do, if I'm dealing with cabs, I'm just micing the cabs. Um I'll do that on a bass guitar. Bass guitar, I'll yeah, do that. All day long. Yeah. yeah, I love, you know, I mean I love taking the DI out on a bass and then putting a, a 52 or um, you know, an RE20 or something like that on a bass cab. Right. Um, but uh typically for an electric guitar, it's it's the cabinet
0: out. the cabinet is the sound. Cuz exactly. I do that with the with basses and it's such a difference because you can you can really dial in the bass. Well, I don't want to get to, we can talk about base on another one, <laughs> yeah. but it's, those are our engineers out there, like try direct out in, in the cab and, and you have a happy, happy balance. Yep. I so, would agree. And so, so okay, so,
1: um, you know, so I would say, you know, circling back to the original question, uh, if I've got two, um, two cabs, you know, it, it kind of starts with the conversation, you know, because really again, the guitar player that's carrying that cab in that just spent the investment on that cab is also going to spend the time investment to say hey you know here's the sweet spot of it and i'll try to have that you know conversation with them i mean if they come in you know it's something weird then i'm like okay let's let's figure out a compromise but um, you know, a lot of times they'll kind of know that sweet spot in the cab, you know, and, and even like, you'll see people that have like a little bit tape on the grill cloth or things of that nature, like where they prefer it might, I don't want to be the like, really,
0: I've never seen that.
1: Yeah. So that's uh, and that might be uh, you know, that might circle back to that, like blue the culture or thing. country. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you know, so they'll kind of, they'll have that sweet spot kind of indicated if not, um, you know, just a simple conversation of, do you care where I mic it? nine out of 10 times I say no. And so my sweet spot personally is I like to be about two inches from the outside of the cone. Okay. Um, I don't like to ever be directly on axis with the cone. I like to, you know, be like I said, about two inches from the outside. So if it's a 12 or a 10, you know, kind of pull in two inches from the outer diameter and stick it there. And so um, it's that, you know, there are times, you know, circling back to kind of the conversation we had on, Groups you know and, and being able to pass my guitars through a multiband compressor group or um you know doing a stereo channel with you know and you know with uh sample delay on it and things of that nature like if I'm dealing with one cab, there's also times where I'll take two fifty sevens you know and and put them side by side on there. Obviously, you know, make sure the phase is correct, but
0: do you do um, inverse the phase on on, on one or the other?
1: Typically not. Um, Really? Mm -mm. Wow. So, but the reason is, is because I'll EQ them differently. And so, basically, like, I'll have one that's kind of more like kind of ducking that kind of top end lead guitar sound, and then the other one that kind of has that like low mid warmth. And so, um, you know, what I can do in that is I can sit it in a mix and I can have, you know, kind of almost that like split sound where, my, my lead lines are kind of coming through on that, you know, on that brighter channel. Um, but then obviously if they, if they jump into a solo or something like that, where I want them to drip, I can obviously, you know, take, make that like three to 60 B adjustment, bring back in that, um, you know, that low mid sound, you know, just to obviously make it sit on top without obviously
0: losing any of information. Right. Yeah, right, exactly. Right, right. So let me ask you this. So... Cause I, I, I do this. So yeah. maybe let me see if you do this. Sure. So say you have the one it's one guitar player that you that say it's this one guitar here you're focusing on. Sure. And this one guitar player is going from clean to distortion. Do you okay. have do you set up, do you program two two EQ um scenes for that channel?
1: Uh it depends. Uh, you know, I mean there's there's certainly times. Um or do you just duck it? It's, it's, it's that, you know, or in full transparency, again, I, I mean, I guess I'm just a relational, like, I love the conversation aspect of it. And so if, if somebody has, like in a soundtrack, I'll say, give me your sounds, you know, give me your clean sound, give me your distorted sound, you know, give me your rhythm sound, so on and so forth we'll step through the different sounds and if he clicks on a drive or if he clicks on a distortion and all of a sudden I find his gain, you know, boosting three to six dB, I'll say, Hey, you know, on that, on that drive, can we cut that back a little bit unless it's intentional? You know, I mean, obviously they might fire right back and say, Hey, you know, on this song, I want, I want that drive. And like, that's kind of the intent is to be three or six dB louder. Right. Then that's fine. Um, you know, but again, kind of circulating back to the the conversational piece and, you know, even the culture piece is like, they're sitting there rehearsing with their cab, you know, in their room or in their practice space or things like that. Uh, and they're developing that developing that sound. And so it's
0: like their dog, you know. Yeah, so exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so, um, yeah, you know, I mean so much of it for me is just is about the relationship piece, you know, and, and is understanding the sound because, you know, obviously we get to have that creative sound and and, and I think that's where it's fun. Um, you know, even mixing some CCM stuff like, and, you know, especially like cover bands and things like that, like there's an established sound, you know, and so there's an established target we're going for. And right. so I think that's where we as engineers, we as front of house guys, we have that fun flexibility to say, Hey, you know, let me create my reverb patches to sound like that, or let me, you know, modify my delay sounds to sound like that. You know, the list goes on, right. But we're, uh, You know, where ultimately it comes down, like, that's, I feel like, personally speaking, that's our responsibility, and that's our creative space in front of house, guys. But, you know, I mean, ultimately, we're here to reinforce the sound coming off the stage. Right,
0: we're in support of... Yeah,
1: exactly, and so... Um, you know, I mean I've I can't tell you it's it's funny walking into to churches like doing consulting and stuff like that and there'll be like a guitar amp emulation like inserted you know as a plug in on the right, all, right. you know in multi rack or super rack and um you know, or uh oh, what was it on the old avid, like on the profile stuff, like the eleven or something like that. What is
0: the line six?
1: Uh, well there was have it have it how the 11 el- the 11. 11 yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. the 11 yeah, yeah you right. know and I was like do you want to have a 57 in front of a 57 deluxe Here's your sound and it never sounded like <laughs> that you know and so um you know but kind of like walking in and finding that and seeing that kind of stuff on on guitars and like no that's that's where that bridge needs to be built between the booth and the stage right um because right. if if it's not working out that that much uh, that's where the conversational piece needs needs to happen, you know, because I mean, ultimately, like, you know, like we said, like we're an extension of what's coming off stage, right. Um, you know, and, and we're here to uh, foster that community, um, you know, uh, of making sure we're authentically and, and cleanly translating, you know, what's coming off stage into the house. And if it's not, you know, that's not something necessarily that I personally feel is on us to correct. I think it's a conversation with the folks on stage. And obviously if you have that and they're like, no, you know, that's where I'll throw a filter on there or something like <laughs> that just to make it work. But, um, you know, I would say more than nine out of 10 times you have that, that yeah. conversational yeah. piece. And, um,
0: it's kind of, more, it's kind of work from, from that point. Yeah. yeah Cause that, that's more important. You know, tr- tr- you know, trying to understand rather than being understood is, Mm. you know, that's, that's scripture on that's good. Yep. But it's, it's basically the premise of us as engineers is like, we're trying to understand. Yeah, absolutely. We're trying to understand so you can present your best self. Absolutely.
1: You know, and, and I think too, like, that's where we get to have that, that, you know, not to say, as a, as a front of house engineer, you don't have any creative control over the guitar sound. You know, I, I think that's where ultimately there are things that um, do fall under our responsibility, you know, scope that don't necessarily always, that the band, you know, that the guitar player may not always think about, like compression, you know, and, and overall Not even a thought. Yeah. You know, obviously they, they might have a compressor on their board that kind of normalizes their sound into their effects chain or depending mm-hmm. on where it is in the chain, but, um, you know, like... We, we're also out there monitoring the fundamental, we're monitoring the dynamic range of the service, you know, and and uh, ultimately we're responsible for keeping things within that parameter, you know? Right. And so, like I said, you know, that might work in a, in a cover band aspect where they have that 60 db drive, you know, boost for that song. But obviously like m- maybe a three DB is all we need. You right. know, in, in house of worship, right. You know, just because we don't want people, you know, we don't want the people that have been, you know, already sensitive to our mix, turn around and like staring at us or giving right. those looks or, you
0: know, yeah, that's that the, the key is to be invisible.
1: Exactly. That's good. It, and, and so, um, You know, so on that front, um, that's where I think, like I said, we get to have those, those fun, that fun creative time with compressors, you know, and, and, um, again, like I I don't, I don't want to overly compress if I find myself like living in, you know, 60 B of gain reduction with anything above like a two and a half.
0: Yeah. You you don't don't want to be three, four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. That's extreme.
1: And so, you know, still kind of that slow, medium, slow attack times of 13 to, 13 to 20 milliseconds.
0: you you time for things to catch up.
1: Exactly. Without, you know. without it sounding like it's catching Just up. It's feeling natural. Yeah. You know, and that, that's actually funny enough. I was in a conversation, I was doing a training, um, you know, and, and to, when I walked up, there was a lot of the gain, like all the compression, the gain reduction was happening on the master bus. And I was like, you know, that's not where we want this to happen, you know, because obviously that's where we feel our mix. drone, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And droning, excuse me. And, uh, um you know that's they're like well why don't you like that and like obviously in our mind as engineers we're like well this you know this is why but i had to step back and think like let me how do i explain this to them you know and being you able pull to pull it, it out
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You> pull <laughs> it bypass out it yeah you bypass yeah. it you pull it out you do some adjustments and you go like then you plug it back in yeah you know You go and, like oh i didn't know why
1: yeah it's that you know and it, and it's explaining like um you know i mean i'll be honest with you i think in in high school, middle school, I, I probably mixed for three years without understanding what the heck attack and release times were on a compressor. I was just like, eh, they're there, you know, we'll just turn it and see what happens. But, you know, obviously like in, in later years of life, you know, and obviously really like once I started to take mixing serious diving into, you know, slow attack times on my drums, you know, faster, medium, fast attack times on, on some vocal stuff, just to, all that kind of, all those variables, like that's where compression, it, it, helps you control that dynamic range and sit way more comfortably in a mix mm-hmm. without, you know, without you hearing it overall.
0: because right. obviously because it's, right. it's, it's, you don't want it to be noticeable. Exactly. That's, exactly. It, that, that's the key. What so, a- let's do this. I'm going to ask you one final question. Okay. And... Oh, boy. This should be really easy. <laughs> it should okay. be really easy. There's, there's some people out there who listen to this and they're going you guys are way over my head. <laughs> sure. Then you have a gr- other group of people that's like, okay, yeah, I, understand. I get it. Sure. Absolutely. So I want to dial this back. Okay. And ask a question. And the question is, if you had to give advice mm-hmm. to a new engineer, okay, what would it be?
1: That's good. Uh, man, my, I, I feel like I've beat this. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. Um, when I say this, but the biggest thing for me, man, is that is that building that relationship between stage and front of house, you know, and honestly, just like we could get into a six hour podcast on mixing, we could get into a 12 hour podcast on on that. And maybe maybe we do that one day. I'd love that. But, um, you know, it, it's it's building that relationship, you know, and it's walking down and, you know whether it's as simple as complimenting a pedal on the pedal board, you know, or, or establishing that trust, especially if it's a, if, if it's a guitar player you've never worked with, um, you know, and then just even, or if it's one you work with every week, you know, talk through the pain points and just say, Hey, is this intentional? You know, do you, here's, here's the pain points that I'm wrestling with at front of house. Is there any way we can control that? You know? And again, I, I would be shocked that I've yet to meet. Obviously there's a couple couple of folks out there that we can all think of, but like nine out of 10 times it's, it's they're fine. You know, they're willing to make those changes and a lot of it, they don't recognize it because they're either hearing a different sound in their ears, you know, or obviously the sound that you get off a, you know, dual 10, dual 12 line array is way different than what they're hearing in a, you know, right. eight driver I am. And so talking through that, you know, and then as far as, um, as far as mixing, you know, an advice in mixing, uh, actually, well, one of my bosses at wave, um, says this all the time. And, and I kind of, it used to make me laugh, but the more he said it, the more I kind of, I kind of love it. Uh, as he was like, honestly, be able to like air, air play all the parts. You know, if you want to air drum, the drum parts yeah. of the songs, you know, no, know, know know your parts and know your role as a front of house guy. Um, you know, because obviously like the musicians on stage, they spent two, three, four, five hours rehearsing that week. We we should be doing the same thing. You know, we should know the music. Just because we listen to, you know, K Love in the car, we listen mm-hmm. to the radio station, we know the songs, like we don't need to know the lyrics. We're not the vocalist, but we need to know the, you know, the vocal sound. We need to know the effects that are on the song. We need to know where guitar players sit in relationship with the synthesizers or, you know, the drums sit, you know, in relationship with vocals and bass, like so on and so forth. But do your homework as well. Um you know, and, and walk in with an idea. I, I can't tell you how many times, especially if it's uh, like if I'm on a tour or if I'm with the same band every week, or you know, if we do the Christmas and Easter marathons where we've got the you know, <laughs> eight, nine, ten, you know, uh, Easter or Christmas services. You know, I'll have a little like i just opened up keynote and i have notes per song that i click through you know and say okay second chorus guitar is taking this solo or um you know change your change your delay time to half notes for this song you know this this bridge you know and that kind of stuff but it's it's understanding the music you know and understanding what you're reinforcing um you know because if you do that and you take that time for that genuine investment that also shows that you've got that equity on stage to the folks you're reinforcing. And that makes those tough conversations of, you know, I'm having this issue with your tone or I'm having this issue with your volume so much easier because it's not like you're just walking in on Sunday morning and expecting, you know, expecting the world to revolve around you.
0: Right. So what I'm hearing is build trust Mm -hmm.
1: and be prepared. Build trust and be prepared.
0: Because I can, I can, I have a, a hundred thousand stories of building trust with with with, 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 with musicians. And, and what and what I've learned over time is that what you're doing is you're protecting someone's gift. Mm. And when people, when the musicians understand that you care about their gift, you can you can negotiate anything. That's right. Because people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. That's right. So what I do as an engineer, I show that I care. That's right. I'll go and I'll talk to you. I'll crack jokes with you. Well, that's how we met, man. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, that's exactly what you were doing when we met, you know, is yeah. I mean, you said it so well. I mean, obviously it's circling to the biblical reference of seek first to understand. Right. And then to be understood. Right. Um, You know, I mean that, that carries so far throughout life, much less life behind a console. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that understanding that, uh, because it's, it's super easy to come out of a sound check and storm the stage and be like, what the heck were you doing? I mean, (laughs) especially as a drummer, you know, I mean, my thing is, is uh, we can get into this is symbol control, you know, and and how people are playing like on top of the symbols or, you know that's a whole, I'm getting on a rabbit trail here, but you know, that mindset is so easy to come out of that or make a passive comment or something like that, uh, on a talkback mic or making honestly, even not a passive comment on a talkback mic,
0: but your expression.
1: Yeah. You know, you know, and, and understanding the musician, because obviously people take feedback differently, you know? And so people, you know, if you say it on a talkback mic where, you know, the 12 people on stage are hearing that, that's going to be just even perceived differently than if you said it one-on-one in a conversational aspect right um you know and so um it's that you know it's simple things like being present in the green room you know or don't be on your phone you know between sound check and service like go talk to your volunteers you know or take some time after sound check if you've got you know somebody shadowing you if you've got an a2 and say hey here's why i did this you know or do you have any questions you know that's one of my favorite things to do with when i was Full time in the church world, you know, with interns is say, hey, you know, be present, sound check, come up with three questions, and and I want to dive through that, um, you know, or like I'm going to lean over and make some, you know, make a note of this because I want to say I want to circle back on this later and I want to dive into this. Um, but you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's maintaining that relational equity, building that relational trust, like you said, you know, that that sets sets yeah. you up for not only success in your personal career but also in your mix you right. know, and then obviously gives that band and those folks on stage that trust that they're confidently
0: being represented, displayed. Great. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs of all ages. I want to thank my friend. Thank you, man. I'm so glad that you um, decided to, um, to join us. And this is a pleasure. Um, this is very cool. This before,
1: is my first podcast.
0: This is your first podcast. This is, uh, hey, <laughs> listen. Hey. The first time for everything. I'm glad you did it with me. It it's great. a pleasure, man. No, I uh honored to be a part. So before we get out of here, we're gonna do this thing that we call 30 seconds and going. Now, 30 seconds and going are rapid fire. Yes, no, true, false mm. questions. Bring it on. And um let's see what you got. Here we go. Thirty seconds. <laughs> And gone. Question number one. Tigers or Gamecocks? Oh, Tigers. Oh,
1: okay. Oh, tigers all day long. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm in Columbia. <laughs> I know. This is dangerous territory.
0: Yes, I found that out moving down here. Yeah. Favorite mixing console?
1: Ooh. Uh, Digico... Mm, I okay,
0: would top still say
1: SD12. I say top three. Okay, Digico SD12. I mean, two of those are in both Digico. Is that right? right? Okay, yeah. so Digico SD12. Uh, I would still say number one. Uh, Quantum 338. Number two. Um, golly. Three is a tie. Um, I I really like the Avid SXL. Okay. So
0: okay. Oh, um, question number three. Favorite childhood cereal. Rice Krispies, Rice Krispies. That will be frosted or plain. I think just plain. Just plain.
1: Okay. So the yeah, because I mean, you can make them into Rice Krispie treats. You can do cereal, like you know, you can eat them dry, and that kind of feels like you're eating healthy.
0: (laughs) Kind of right. (laughs) A lot lot of versatility. (laughs) Question number four: What was the last show you binge watched? Uh, eighteen eighty-three. Eighteen? Really? Yeah. I started, I got to episode two and I was like, ah, it's a little too slow. It's a-,
1: a, give it time. Uh, so I, I started it. I did the same thing. I, I don't even know if I made it past episode one at first. I loved Yellowstone. I'm a big okay. sucker for Yellowstone. And, okay. It uh, is. It's
0: like a, it's like the, um, the vintage version. It's a prequel.
1: Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, it, so I, I went into it expecting the Yellowstone pace, um, but give it time and watch it all the way through.
0: Okay. Last question. Five dinner guests. Dead or alive. Oh man. Golly. <laughs>
1: These are not the easy true or false questions. Um, <laughs> man, I mean the, the first one that came to my mind was Rupert Neve. Um, okay. All day long. Uh, Rupert Neve, um, John Meyer. Um Golly. I think Pooch. Okay. Uh, It's got to be Pooch. Um, This is tough, man. Uh, I mean, I I think from just a musical foundation, John Prine. Okay. That's a weird dinner table right now. I just threw a weird curveball there.
0: It's your table. Yeah, I know.
1: Um, And then... Gosh, I don't know. This is this is where I'm thinking way too hard on this. Um, you know, I, I've gotten to have dinner with him one time, but I think Robert Scoville. Um, Robert Scoville, doing damn. that, doing that again, man. He, I mean, he's just a Walt, the wisdom from the systems engineer standpoint and the front of house mix standpoint.
0: There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs of all. Ages, I want to thank my friend Preston Russ. Thank he, you, he, man. He he, he he struggled with his dinner guests, I guess yeah, I, I, <laughs> no. that wasn't a curveball. That was a knuckleball. I that told was you. it, man. That was a, that was a knuckleball. Might like
1: have been that. a strikeout. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I don't thank you, man, for for being on the podcast. Looking forward to having you back, man. You, you, I gotta that. have you back. I would love Talking that. about um, some other mixing concepts, maybe with the bass guitar, we do that or yeah. a couple other things we could probably do. But I'm gonna say like I always say it keep God first in everything you do and I will see you next time on the church sound podcast thank you